We're not a podcast, we're a misunderstood news source. Today on Writers Get Animated, we're talking about Tangled before ever after. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation and storytelling and hair that magically grows back for the sake of starting a new TV series. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about Tangled Before Ever After, the film that starts the TV series. Tangled, the TV series. In the grand tradition of Disney midquels, where this is a midquel to the last 30 seconds of Tangled, the original feature film. But no, no, no. It's also a, a prequel to an animated short that was shown theatrically. Oh, geez. Did you? Did I missed you, that one. Okay. Did that premiere before? Uh, I can't remember because I never saw it in the theater. So it's not something that I saw. I forget what, what it was so in front of. it's not something good. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was in front of. I feel like it was in front of a live action thing. In front of a live action thing? Yes, I, I, f- I feel like it was in front of something that that I didn't see. What was it in front of? I'm going to find out real quick because I really want to find out. Oh, um, it was before the the 3D theatrical re-release of Beauty and the Beast in 2012. I didn't see that in theaters. That makes sense. I can see that. I feel like I saw that. Why did I? I feel like I saw that. Anyway, but it's also, you can see it. Um, in different places. I think it's on the um, Walt Disney Animation Studios short films collection that's mm-hmm. actually available on Netflix now. Oh, I didn't know that. I need uh, to watch that. They also have uh, the sequel animated short to Frozen, which is Frozen Spring Meh. Fever. Meh. Also some really interesting gems like John Henry, but we're not talking about those today. We should, but not today. At some point, we will. All Let, the Oscar-nominated Disney shorts we haven't talked about. Yes. So let's let's look at this Tangled Before Ever After. As we said, it's a midquel to the last thirty seconds of the film Tangled, and a prequel to the animated short Tangled Ever After. Because what, Disney can never tell a new story. It can just keep telling the same story before it ends. Isn't every story the story before it ends? I don't know what I meant by that either. So I'm just <laughs> going to move on as if I didn't say it. Um, <laughs> but I, Disney has a history of doing this. Um, one of the biggest things that it most aligns with is the experience of Aladdin. Mm-hmm. So if we look at Aladdin, the film from the 90s starring, you know, Robin Williams, because really it was his tour de force that made that what it was. Let's take a moment for Robin. Now, now that that's over, Aladdin, after some time, they wanted to go into a TV series to begin that TV series. They had to change a lot of what happened in Aladdin 
So they created the return of Jafar to finish off the story or any things that were left loose in Aladdin. Also to turn Iago good, which is basically the only thing you need to know about that film. So you don't have to actually watch it. And the genie's back. Genie's back. Jafar is gone. Iago is good. good. The end. They, they, They created a movie to create, to tell that part of the story so that they could change the rules and start the TV series. To be fair, Star Wars The Clone Wars did this also. You're exactly right. Star Wars The Clone <laughs> Wars did that same thing. And was equally as bad as Return of the Jafar. Return of the Jafar? <laughs> it may as well have been called that because at least then the title would match the quality of the film itself. <laughs> Star Wars Clone the Wars. <laughs> oh, goodness. But unlike uh, those two movies, Tangled Before or After is pretty solid. I would say so. It does what it needs to do in terms of taking a film that you know and causing a new problem that can only be solved in an episodic structure of a TV series. That's the only possible way that the problems of Tangled Before Ever After can be solved is in episode form. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not excited about this. I'm excited to watch the series itself, which has continued on. Um, I haven't seen the new episodes of it, but Tangled is probably one of the more underrated Disney films. And I don't think it usually gets the the credit that it's due. And in many ways, and this is one thing that I've read on the internet and totally agree with, in some ways, I believe that Tangled is a better film than Frozen. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, I, For me, I think it's one because Tangled is before <clears throat> Disney Animation started to get the recognition that it was um, on a good streak again. I would say that really, I'm trying to think where that changed. Is Would you say Frozen is where that changed and people started to recognize Disney Animation again? Yes, yes, because okay. it was it was obvious. They, yeah. that they were what they were doing. I think Tangled, it wasn't as obvious what was going on, but. And before Frozen, we have a few movies that kind of, as you get closer to Frozen, get more and more recognized. Of course, Wreck-It Ralph is getting a sequel now. I yes. think it was before Frozen. It was. Yeah. Um, because, and then, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because Jennifer Lee, who wrote Wreck-It Ralph, was one of the directors of Frozen, and they brought her onto Frozen to fix it specifically because of the good job that they did with Wreck-It Ralph. Which I somehow haven't seen. As a animation lover and video game lover, I haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph. I know I'm failing. Oh my but goodness. I did not I know. know that about you. I know. Should I know. we stop this podcast right now and watch it? No. I'll get okay. to it eventually. Okay. I know that I will. Before the sequel, I'll do a marathon. Um, and of course, then Tangled before that. I think it was... So going backwards, Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph, Tangled... And then Bolt? I believe so. Okay, and we were just talking before we started recording this podcast. We'll have to do a Bolt episode at some point because Bolt is really the beginning of this era and nobody loves Bolt the way that Bolt should be loved because Bolt is an amazing feat of filmmaking uh, and they carry that quality into Tangled and then takes all the way through Frozen and now they have money and an audience and people watching these amazing movies like Moana. That's right. And I think that 
Tangled itself was a surprise for me because I waited to the last minute to see it. I remember not being too excited about its premise and, and things. So I still saw it in theaters, but my wife and I went on a day that it, like kids were going on a field trip to go see it at the, at oh. the cheap seats. And we were like, okay, well, no one's going to go see it at 11.15 on a Thursday. And then like three busloads of kids show up. We were like, oh, God. And we barely fit in the last row, <laughs> surrounded by all these kids and their chaperones. Um, so it was a very clear experience, but I wasn't sure what we were going to get. And it's Disney playing with their princess formula mm-hmm. without playing with it's keeping it more intact than it was in Frozen, you know, being more true to it, but also playing with flipping things on their head. And it's, I know yes. that it was going to be the first time that Glenn Keane was going to be going from animator to director. And then he dropped out as director from it back when it was called Rapunzel Unbraided. And there's a whole history there I want to get into in a second, but continue your thought. But, um, and his idea, he originally was going to be a 2D animated film because he didn't believe that 3D, computer generated, could mimic the experience of a 2D animated film. And what they, he had a painting, and I think I'll put a link to this in our show notes, of course, but he had a, a painting that said, if you could recreate the texture and the feeling and the movement in this painting into an image of computer generated art, then I will, we will do it computer generated. So he forced them to have a different quality. And I believe it tangled also influenced frozen in terms of feeling like a 2d film Mm -hmm. in terms of squash and stretch and things like that. And, feeling and evoking the feeling of a 2D film in a 3D medium. There's one specific moment where Maximus is trying to, um, Maximus, and at the time he was Flynn, but we all know is Eugene Fitzherbert now. They're trying to get this pack and they're grabbing each other and Flynn stretches out to catch it and you actually see the body stretch in a way that a 3D model wouldn't. So there's a lot of that structure in in the 2D animation influence in the bodies and in the way that things are animated in Frozen. And that's just one specific, that's one specific moment going on there. Yeah, and I think that what you bring up is good is because there was this, this, when Tangled originally came out, there was kind of this emotional, exhaustion i think with the 3d animated movies mm-hmm. um like at that point we'd all seen so many we're kind of ready to write this one off as just being like the others and it is a new style that we hadn't seen at the time um and so for me another reason why many people passed up tangled is like you alluded to the name changes um so in addition to this 3d movie exhaustion it was Rapunzel, and then it was Rapunzel unbraided, and then the the speculation goes they changed it to Tangled because they didn't want to have a princess name in the movie to attract a wider audience. Um, and the best thing that I saw about this is that Justin Chang of Variety compared it to changing the title of The Little Mermaid to Beached. 
So there's kind of this this marketing mix up of like, what movie am I looking to see? Like it's I've heard this a Rapunzel movie. Where is that Rapunzel movie? Oh, it's called Tangled. Okay, wouldn't have guessed that. So now we have Tangled Before Ever After, which is very clear in what it means in its title. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen the book end of where their story, quote unquote, ends. It's like we've gotten the third Aladdin film. <laughs> And now we just have to fill in the blanks of what happens in the TV series. But uh, what's interesting about Tangled Before Ever After is now we're in a 2D environment. So it the animation style changed. And unlike, unlike Aladdin, we get a lot of the main characters from the actual film as the voice actors. Yes, which I think speaks more to the age of television we live in than this actual project itself, but yes. You're right. You're right. I mean, TV is more elevated as a thing, you know, as an art form. TV is just as good. You can bring star power to the TV box. And not just that, but an animated spinoff of your animated feature film. It's no longer just like... um actors from the Marvel universe going into Marvel TV shows. It's the voice actors of Tangled in a completely different animated spinoff. <laughs> what? Like almost a going on a decade later? No. Yeah. I How think it so. Been? It's, it's been a while since Tangled came out. Um, I mean, Tangled, Tangled ever after came out in 2012. So um, Tangled itself came out in 2010. So about seven years. Okay. This kind of fits in with our theme recently of um, seeing how Disney gets younger audiences to see things that they've missed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm, Did you like Frozen? Well, there's this other great movie called Tangled you'll also like. I'm sure you haven't seen it, but there's a new TV series. Hey! <laughs> yeah. And I know <laughs> it sounds like we're being critical, but I, I actually... I'm, I'm excited about Tangled. I like Tangled. I liked the sarcasm in Tangled. I think, I think the tone of what you liked the sarcasm in something, Chris. I am, I am surprised and aghast. Sagast. <sighs> I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing, and I appreciate <laughs> it. And I'm also annoyed by it. So <laughs> I'm like, well done, well played, and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was making me feel. So that's how I know you were doing a good job. Is it made me huh. want you to stop and keep going at the same time. Um, yes. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed the, I think Tangled got to the tone that I loved about Aladdin, where it takes itself seriously, where it's necessary to, and makes fun of itself where it can. Mm-hmm. And also do things that are just ridiculous. You know, the whole moment in the bar where there's the bar fight and then you get the you get hook hand who says, I, too, had a dream once. (laughs) And then they go into a song about all of them having their different dreams about one person is a mime. One person collects, you know, glass figures. You know, it's just this like, what are we doing now? It's so it's the best parts of Disney princess films 
the best parts of actually having something emotional and the fun that you would get in something like more like Aladdin or the Emperor's New Groove. So somehow they were able to take all these pieces of who they were in the past. I think it's a little bit like the Nintendo Switch in a way. It's like the Nintendo Switch of Disney films. All the stuff that we've done before, let's put it into one unit. Right? Is that a good metaphor? I mean, I, I can see where you're going for, and I can see how the Nintendo marketing has said that exact story that you're talking about, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, can we... <laughs> I guess we should talk a little bit more about the actual thing that we came to talk about instead of the predecessor of it. I'm, I think. Well, I think that's all important too. It's it's all leading into this and like why this is this. And as you mentioned, this is the same voice acting and it's high quality voice acting. Um, it's also got and I was surprised by this. I'm like watching Tangle Before or After. I'm like, oh, the songs in this are really great in the credits roll. I'm like, Alan Menken did the songs. How'd they get Alan Menken to do this TV movie songs? It's it's not like he was busy with like Beauty and the Beast, the, the film or the upcoming live action remake of Little Mermaid and stuff. They're doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. He wants Harvey Firestein as Ursula. Alan Menken Okay, does. sold, done. Got it. <laughs> and I think I'll Harvey Harvey said... Uh, like, your wish is my command, is what he said. As <laughs> <laughs> I imagine how it sounded. I'm but, into it. Uh, moving, <laughs> moving on. But uh, yeah, the fact that you have Mandy Moore and Zachary Levy coming back. But they, ha- it, I think Tangled was just so fun that why wouldn't you want to come back to it? Mm-hmm. And But the fact that you also get... Glenn Slater and Alan Menken to do the music just says that, look, we want to do it. We want to do this right. We want to take it seriously. I'm not saying that if they didn't get Alan Menken, they couldn't have done it, but they were not willing to skimp on things. They wanted to actually do it well. And it tells such a good and interesting story. It's kind of like this, At first, it appears to be ground that's been tread many times before, but it's its own unique twist on that. Um, One of the lines that stuck with me from the opening song was um, Rapunzel singing, now that our story's reached its end, in one of her lines. I'm like, but this is like the the opening two minutes of (laughs) Tangle Before (laughs) Ever After. Now that our story's reached its end, like, has it, girl? Has it? Um (laughs) And so she's she's now realizing through the course of this that she's essentially trapped in a new castle. And this isn't about um, ha- well, it's about happily ever after not being as happy as you expected, but not in like a an into the woodsy ironic way, but just in like, oh, this is this is kind of boring. Like, is this what I wanted? This guy rescued me. And he's great. But do I want to marry him? And so it's like taking a harder, deeper look at these things. And like after the adventure's over, like, is it as exciting still? And what's what's interesting about that? Because I'm glad you brought up Into the Woods because the <clears throat> Stephen Sondheim James the Pine musical Into the Woods, which says 
you know what? You all got what you wanted, and it's a curse. It's evil. It's terrible. You know, I'm going to take it apart piece by piece, and everything that you thought was going to make you happy is actually going to make you sad, and I'm going to take it all apart and deconstruct it. And look, the prince is a you know, philanderer and all this stuff, and it's, ah! You know, it, it takes it apart, and I don't think that Tangled Before Ever After deconstructs the happy ending. It sits with the reality of this happy ending towards, this is somebody, if we look at Rapunzel, this is somebody who spent her entire life in a tower. And we see her entangled, be conflicted about leaving that tower in one of the best scenes of the movie where she's like, this is the best day ever. And then it cuts really fast to her laying down on the grass, like I'm the worst daughter. Oh God. And then she's like, woo, yay. And she's just running around. And then she cuts back like, my mother's going to kill me. And like, she's just this conflicted, this is awesome to be out. And what's going to happen to me and my mother? Like this makes me an awful daughter to be doing this and having this much fun. So it, it, it's so real and so hilarious in that moment, but this is taking that apart and saying, somebody who's been trapped in a tower all her life suddenly meets the man of her dreams, supposedly, because they're in love, and they sang a song about it, and you know they see the light, of course, and now she's gotten everything that she wanted. She's with her true parents in a castle, she has this, but now she has to deal with the ramifications of, I, I used to live with just one person and a chameleon, and now I have all these people around me. Who am I anymore? Mm-hmm. And what am I dealing with? And something else I appreciate is that while Rapunzel's struggle is dealing with the rules of being a princess and trying to conform to these customs and like, if, if you, like me, when you, f- you first hear that, are going like, oh, brother, another princess movie about being a princess. How original. Um, <laughs> her, her lady-in-waiting, Cassandra, is um, kind of her guide to this. And Cassandra's like, oh, yeah, rules and customs are great. Let me tell you about what you need to do when and where and why and, like, what you need to do. Oh, by the way, I'm also, like, this, uh, this kick-butt daughter of the captain of the guard and I'm going to take on all these adventures outside. Here's my collection of weapons. Look at them. <laughs> so it's like she she's into customs and rules, but only because she's a military brat. <laughs> and I think it's the duality of things. You have Flynn, who we know now is Eugene. So we have Eugene, who's both <laughs> bad guy and best guy. <laughs> no, he's... He's he's thief, but also the one person who's honest. He's a misunderstood good guy. He's a misunderstood good guy. And and I think there's that Tangled lives in the duality of that. And mm. I that's why I think Tangled is a good thing because everything is just complicated. But you can't call it's it Tangled. It's ta- Right. You can't call it complicated, though. That's just a boring title. I feel like it's complicated to be like a bad sequel to the Emoji movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which I haven't even seen. It's not out yet. I know. So. But I mean, that I already know that the sequel to it would be bad. <laughs> I don't have to see it to tell you that. 
So, but there, there is that duality of such a, to have somebody tr who feels trapped in a life that she wanted. So there's that duality, but also somebody who's such a free spirit who is afraid of intimacy in, in, a, in a way. But it's the last time she trusted somebody, it was somebody who was totally taken advantage of her. And I hope that in this series explore, even though Mother Gothel's not in the picture anymore, I would love to see them explore more of that relationship because one of the things that I liked about the original Tangle movie was that while Mother Gothel was a villain, she was also very likable and had genuine moments of love for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And it was so complex. Like, that's what surprised me in that. And we see that complexity in Tangled Before or After, though not with the villain at all, at least not right. yet. I want to give Lady Kane some benefit of the doubt. Maybe there's going to be more villains like Aladdin where they had What's-Face, who's kind of the main villain, and then evil Aladdin, whatever his name was. Yeah, I can't remember. He had the glove and the floating eel. Yeah, and he got like the weird skull hand later. The the bad wizard who looked like Aladdin was drawn to look like Aladdin if Aladdin were a bad guy. Yeah, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, and that probably makes me a bad Aladdin fan. But um, well, so the fact that you know that he exists makes you a good Aladdin fan. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, we we also have people like Abismal in Aladdin the series. Oh yeah, introduced the return of Jafar. There's another return to Jafar effect you have to know. And and his and his uh, brother Abnor, Abnor Mall. Which I love them. It's just like the That's worst the kind thing. Of pun I can get behind. And there was also some guy who was an Egyptian god, Nader, who um, was a villain in there somewhere. Wow, I guess I am a better Aladdin fan than I realized, even though I can't remember the one villain's name. There are a lot of good villains in that series. The Greek one. Yeah, um, what is his name? Was that Hephaestus? No, no, no. It, it, but he was Mechanicles. 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 Yes, I'm having flashbacks so. now. <laughs> but um, we're not. We're not. We're not discussing a lot in the TV series. Let's go. But you were going to say one thing about. But I think it's relevant because I'm hoping that we see the same kind of um, pantheon of villains. Oh, that's not the word. Um, rogues gallery of villains for uh, the characters of Tangled. Because I think that what that the Aladdin show did well in terms of being a spinoff of a spinoff movie before a final <laughs> movie, it's <laughs> parallels, um, yes. is that it showed us so many more sides of the main characters and the heroes through these different villains you don't have in the movie. Uh, and you get to see different villains focused on different things. It's It's like a Batman movie where he's just against the Joker isn't as interesting as a Batman TV show with a whole bunch of different villains that are foils to his personality because Batman is about his entire rogues gallery, not just the Joker looking at you, Christopher Nolan. Um, <laughs> so I hope that we, we see the same development in Tangled. I'd love to see some villains for Cassandra, some villains for Maximus, some villains for Eugene. Um, I'd even take a Pascal villain, some kind of evil chameleon. I'm not sure what that would be. Uh, a mantis shrimp, I think, would be his villain. <laughs> I I agree. I think there should be, well, not about the final one, but I think it should be. <laughs> I think a TV series like this that goes into fairy tale has to have good villains in that same way, or at least good mysteries mm -hmm. that you're uncovering, because 
The reason why you do a TV series is because there's more to find out about either the world or the characters. That's what you're saying, that we're doing this TV series because there's more to say about these characters or there's more to say about this world. And so, I like that this, this in, in Before or After, we see Eugene get down on his knees and propose to Rapunzel. And she, like, she says she likes him a lot, but she's not into that at this moment, which I think is a very good fit for these characters as a spinoff to that movie because you're like, oh, yeah, these two wonderful sarcastic characters and they're married having known each other a couple days at the end of this movie. So it's a perfect fit to see like, oh, these these kids need to get to know each other better because they're responsible young adults. And this is the perfect format to explore that. Mm -hmm. So kind of like this show is going to be about their relationship. And I think that is rare that we get to see a relationship blossom like this. And I think that's something that this has above Aladdin is being a better relationship between the two characters. I believe wholeheartedly that the two characters, the two main characters that Eugene and Rapunzel are in love. Mm -hmm. I totally buy it. And I know that they're conflicted with each other and they love each other and they're going to challenge each other and they're going to annoy each other. And I fully buy everything about that relationship. I totally buy it. But they're like 17. I've known each other a week. Right. So they have to uh, grow up a little bit and yeah. they have to learn about each other a little bit. I'm just saying, I understand where they're coming from in their relationship. And I understand Eugene wanting to fix things or make things great and seal the deal with the, the wedding and say, hey, we're going to be together forever. I'm excited about this. And why Rapunzel in, runs away from that. Essentially, I have to learn. <laughs> it's the one time where you totally understand somebody saying, I don't even know who I am right now. <laughs> I don't know who I can, am with you. I can't really be in a relationship because I don't really even know who I am right now. It's not me or you. It's us. We both don't know what we need. <laughs> exactly. Like, you've been a thief for so long, and now you're living in a castle, and I've been, you know, held prisoner by somebody who's now dead. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to figure out who these people are as my parents and being a princess and everything that goes along with that, where she could go out of her own before and just dance in the courtyard among the, but now she can't be with the townspeople. She has to be guarded because the father says never again, you will never be lost again. I can't lose you now that I found you, you know, the lanterns were beautiful, but that was a really huge emotional taxing event to celebrate you going missing every year for 17 years. That's exhausting <laughs> to relive that trauma year after year um, through something as gorgeous as floating lanterns. And he doesn't want to live with that ever again. <laughs> so there's a lot to explore is what we're saying. We're excited yeah, for where this, this TV show is going to go. Yes. And I think you bringing up Cassandra um, as a military brat, 
Um, there, I have a quote from the supervising director, Chris Sonnenberg, which talks about why they chose Cassandra and why they added Cassandra to the mix. Because in some ways, you don't necessarily need Cassandra in the story. You know, you, there wasn't a Cassandra character added to something like Aladdin if it's just going to be about I mean, the, re- kind the relationship. Of Iago. I know you kind of have Iago, but he was there before. This is somebody who's being created for the TV series, you know? But here's the quote. Ready? Here we go. It started to become evident as to who Cassandra was going to be when you asked the question, who does Rapunzel need in her life? And I felt like she needed somebody that had access to the castle, that had a very adventurous spirit, much like herself, somebody that Rapunzel could kind of look up to. And if Cassandra as an idea was somebody that was going to have access to Rapunzel, it had to be somebody that was very close to her on a daily basis, which is why we gave it to being somebody like a lady in waiting. End quote. And it works. It does work. And I think that that's the kind of dramaturgical question that you have to ask, one, when you're creating allies, and two, when you're creating villains. And I think that we didn't get the villain that we needed in in Tangled Before Ever After. I think the villain was the one place where we lost a little bit. I kind of see, like, what they're going for, that the villain has like this thing out for Rapunzel's dad. Yes. And she's kind of like an evil Rapunzel. Um, and I see what they're going for. And I think it was fine. It wasn't great. It was fine. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the memorable part of this movie for me. And I feel like if it had <laughs> been, it would have just been the cherry on top of the movie. I think mm-hmm. if the villain was a little stronger, maybe if we had a villain song, maybe if we had an Alan Menken villain song. I'm it, sure it'll come. It, I know I'm sure it will come, but I think that's one thing that we're missing is, and I know that part of it is because of the villain being revealed as, you know, it gives away a little bit of who the villain really is. So, what, how could you do a creative villain song for somebody who's in disguise? That would have been a, that's an interesting dramaturgical puzzle of how do you give a villain a song when the villain is in disguise to be revealed later on? Well, you have a chorus. Like there's an opportunity early on when her henchman, her man in waiting um, is gathering all the, the evil people and you could have had all the villains of the street sing a chorus about this wonderful person who's, well, this wonderful evil person is giving them an opportunity to get revenge. Kind of like um, World's Greatest Criminal Mind or Radigan from Great Mouse Detective. Another movie I haven't seen. <gasps> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I can't breathe. I knew there would be that reaction, too. <sighs> there is a surprising amount of the Disney canon that I haven't seen. I'm pretty good from, like, Almost all of them from mid-80s onward I've seen, um, except oh. Great Mouse Detective was like 86 or something, right? Yeah, right around there. Yeah, oh, so I haven't God. seen that. My heart. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have a six-part series of Mackenzie Catches Up, <laughs> part one. I mean, we could we could do like a whole like Raiders Get Disney sequence and just do like the Disney canon, part one. 
when really the, the subtext 30s. of that is what Mackenzie hasn't watched. That's the subcats. There are things you haven't watched, not not Disney things, but there are things you haven't watched. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. There are things I haven't watched, not Disney things that I haven't watched. You're right, <laughs> but there are things in, that exist in the world that I have not seen. Agents of Shield seasons two and three. Well, I'm talking yeah. animation. I know. I'm just saying. I'm just starting a list of things that I haven't seen. <laughs> With Shield, Agents of Shield is where you start that list, <laughs> among other things. As an Agents I'm, of S.H.I.E.L.D. lover, I'm adding myself. I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not talking um, about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. beyond what I've just said <laughs> in this episode about Tangled Before Ever After. So <laughs> They're both Disney. It's fine. I know. I know. <laughs> Disnergy. Um, what, what else can we say about Tangled Before Ever After in terms of where they're going or where we see them going in I this setup film? I do want to talk about film? Pascal a little bit. Okay. Um, Pascal is subtext incarnate as an animal sidekick. Like while the characters are already sarcastic, Pascal is just sarcasm as a lizard. His face journeys, everything he does just automatically either undercuts what's happening on screen and tells you exactly what you as an audience member should be feeling about what they're actually saying or is portraying the real emotion of what someone is saying when he's in the room and kind of mimicking them. Like he's, it is just subtext. He doesn't need lines. He's just the emotional subtext. And I love it. And I think he's an underrated um, Disney sidekick. Well, it's because he doesn't have any lines. Name other Disney sidekicks that don't have lines that are memorable. Miko from Pocahontas. Hmm... I'll give no. you a half point. Half okay. point. I had to think about which one that was. The raccoon, right? The raccoon. <laughs> yes, the raccoon. Okay. Yes, the raccoon. I don't remember a lot of Pocahontas. That's all right. That's all right. Oh, that's fine. I'm still trying to get over the great mouse detective thing. Um, <laughs> I, I think Pascal and Maximus together are a nice pair because Maximus represents the world of royalty and Pascal is a little bit more about the ever-changing world of nature and the outside world. And how they come in conflict with each other, with Rapunzel. Exactly. The two and friends I that like each other, but are also in conflict. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm like doing like, I'm approaching like Werner Herzog Disney narration. <laughs> I don't. It's like I don't know where this is going, but I'm gonna. And here sure. we see the princess in her natural habitat, caged up by men until another man rescues her. To be fair, to be fair, she made that choice to rescue him. I know. I'm. It's just Werner Herzog's interpretation. And um, he sacrificed himself by kill, cutting her hair and not allowing her to use use it. The fact that the hair is back scares me a little bit. I, I feel like it was that was a really fun scene, though, of her getting <laughs> how Rapunzel got her hair back. <laughs> and um, now they're hiding the hair everywhere. <laughs> That, that was a really good scene um, all the way from the action sequence where they go to 
where her journey really began, where the flower was. Mm -hmm. And then there was that essentially a tombstone saying, this is where the flower was. And the spikes now, which I wonder what's happening there. That seems like a fun mystery. But that action sequence was really exciting. That was really good. My my one complaint about the dramaturgical world of the show is that it, and I mean this in every level possible, it feels like the hair doesn't have weight. Mm. In both the sense of like, it's back, but we're kind of pretending that it doesn't matter very much anymore. And, oh, her hair saved the day with Lady Kane, but no one's really talking about like, oh, your hair did come in handy. Um, but also when she stands on a balcony overlooking a big drop and her hair is waving in the wind, 70 feet of hair waving in the wind, really? Some really, she's high up. And I don't know, blonde people have really fine hair. And okay. yes, yes, it You're is. Blondest. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they have very fine hair. Fine meaning a very, very thin but also her hair is unbreakable. Uh, so I don't know if it adds extra weight or less weight. To be unbreakable. To be unbreakable. It's really long, darn it. Yeah. Hair weighs a lot. Hair And that much hair would weigh a lot. A lot. And yeah, I think the fact that the hair is back it, it's one of the bigger things in all the trailers about, oh my gosh, how did she get her hair back? And what's going to happen now that she has her hair back? But I think that you're right. Some of their reactions that her hair's back is doesn't seem like it holds up to it as big as it should be. Yeah, that was not the inciting incident of this movie for me. What was? <sighs> I think the coronation. Mm. There's a couple things there. There's a lot of setup before that, but it's the coronation of finding out her her parents' real feelings about her, both how her father and mother differ. Um, the coronation, all the responsibilities that comes with, and then uh, Eugene proposing. Like all that wrapped into one was her world changing on many levels, and what she thought her world was changing in multiple ways. That's the intrusion of this new order. True. And I think the hair coming back was more, they, she was more worried about the hair coming back as proof that she left the castle and disobeyed her father more than anything. Mm -hmm. like that, that was the danger in the hair coming back of now he will know that I left mm -hmm. instead of why <laughs> my hair's back, what's going on, you know? It's, it's more of, he knows that I'll, I lied to him and that I left. And that's what the fear is, as opposed to now there's some weird magic happening. Is it good magic? Is it bad magic? Is it... Now, I don't know if whether that's a character choice for Rapunzel in terms of her being... That now she's like, I need to be the best daughter possible, but that's not something that's completely set up you know, from the beginning as a worry of hers of, I need to be yeah. the best daughter because 
these are my parents and I need to show them that I can do well. And I like where this, this movie is taking us with the TV show. Um, this point set, I think you and I agree could be stronger. Um, but I, I like the direction that it's going. And I'm willing to forgive some things because I enjoy the world so much mm-hmm. because I enjoyed tangled itself so much that I'm willing to, you know, spend more time with these characters. Like these are actual likable characters that I enjoy. I, I think I would hang out with them. I could see that. Yeah. I you would, could be I Eugene's bard. Yeah, totally. Let's let me go on your adventures and I'll sing your praises. Now that you're a hero, I will, I will sing that. Maybe that's a fun character that can come up. Some minstrel who's like, now that you're a hero, we shall write your stuff. He's like, so tell me about where you're from. And then we find out backstory, but he's like, yeah, that doesn't really sing. Let's say you're from this place that has a better, (laughs) there are more rhymes with that one than this. And so he's like, I think it works better if uh, your mother is. Where are you uh, from? Orange. No. No, no, no. How about, (laughs) that doesn't really work. Uh, That's too many syllables. Torquay. We're going to Torquay. So tell me, Chris, do you have a favorite thing in Tangled Before Ever After? I think my favorite thing is Eugene's run on when he discovers the hair. They're trying to hide (laughs) the hair. He sees the hair and then he goes off on this massive, massive run on that, (laughs) that ends with, you know, I I know that you'll tell me when you're ready to tell me and blah, blah, blah. And he just keeps going and going and going. And it just is so long and drawn out that it becomes funny three or four times in different ways. And then he's just, then she's like, thank you for understanding. Oh, come on. <laughs> just tell me. And what I like about that run on is it's not repetitive. You could see his full journey from beginning to end. It's not like he says the same thing in different ways over and over and over and over again. It's a You're full, right. it's a full scene. It's a full conversation with himself. Right. With Rapunzel just waiting for him to give either an ultimatum or something. <laughs> she's like, what's he going to say? It's like, I fully understand because I know that's what I'm supposed to say as the understanding boyfriend. And so I know you'll tell me when you're ready. And I know that time is now is the subtext is, (laughs) (laughs) and you're going to tell me because I'm understanding, right? (laughs) Look at me being understanding. Tell me now (laughs) is the subtext. Yeah. And I love that she totally takes him at face value, which is thank you for understanding. No, you're supposed to tell me. It's a contract. I tell you that I'm understanding, and then you tell me what happened. So I, that's my favorite scene in so many ways. That was a good but, one. What about yours? Um, I think I've alluded to mine, uh, but it's just Eugene saying, I'm not a thief. I'm a misunderstood good guy. Like, hashtag alternative facts, but I, I see where you're going, Eugene. Um, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> And he's just trying to justify like what he's been doing. Right. It's it's like he's pretending that he's Robin Hood or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which he never really was. No. No. I mean he's he's done good things, but he's also done bad things. <laughs> <laughs> he was a untrustworthy character in the beginning, so 
and his his decisions to be good are what gets him into the most trouble, I think, which is going to be something fun to explore as we find out more about things. I think there have to be episodes going on in the series where his bad stuff that he's done have to come back and bite him. And I'm yes. looking forward to those times of, oh, yeah, I owed that person that. Or, yes, I <laughs> forgot that I didn't ever go back. I, f- I feel like he's, and I don't mean that this character is not, but I think he's a little bit more likable than a, a Han Solo character. But I think that he's going to get his comeuppance more than Han Solo ever did. Yeah. I completely agree. He's a lot younger and has more energy too. Yeah. And that's yeah. not a Harrison Ford dig. That's just a Han no. Solo thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else we need to say? I think or... that's it for me. Wonderful. So I look forward to watching what comes next from Tangled and Tangled uh, after, before, ever after. That's right. <laughs> So next time on Raiders Get Animated, we are talking about another long-awaited sequel. We're going to talk about Samurai Jack. So please watch for your homework. Samurai Jack, of course, the new season, season five, episode one, um, also known as episode XCII 92. Um, And Samurai Jack season one, episode one, also known as episode one. Uh, (laughs) And we will talk about how these two relate and... uh, why you need a sequel even longer after something has ended than Tangled and Tangled Before Ever After. Yes, absolutely. As always, we want to say thank you to our engineer, Nigel Coutinho, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. If you have thoughts about this episode or Tangled or Tangled Before Ever After or Tangled Ever After or Tangled the Series, you can tweet at us at WG Animated. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated. And you can find all of our show notes and links and um, various things and our, our history of Disney mid-cool episodes. Um, right, just get animated.tumblr.com. Good night, everybody.